Welcome to Rooster and the Devil, where we give you the Americans' perspective on English Premier League soccer, with hosts Brad Tyndall, Jimmy Karn, and Mike Steenstra. Alright, welcome back to another episode of Rooster and the Devil. Uh, I am joined by one rooster this evening, um, Bradley Tyndall. Bradley, how are you? Doing well, James. How are you, sir? Oh, just another day in paradise. Uh, shout out to uh, Jess Steenstra. Uh, happy birthday. Um, the reason Michael is not with us this evening. Correct. Yes, happy birthday, Jess. Um, good human being is is Jess Steenstra. We're all fans indeed. here on the pod. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. Um, that having been said, uh, it's going to be a short episode with you and I tonight. Um, we do have a... Uh, um, a pretty comprehensive interview I conducted earlier today with uh, Chad Smith, um, good friend of mine, uh, one of the biggest Arsenal fans I know. Um, lots of uh, lots of good insight into uh, um, you know his kind of thoughts and feelings. Being a longtime Gunner, um, you know, just uh, everything that's been going on. We we kind of recapped last season and, and that. So um, look forward to um, you know listening back to that, but uh, everyone should check that out, Um, Arsenal fan or not. He's got some good insight. I even am very excited for it because, you know, it's hard. We have another good friend, Matthew Babel, who we're trying to get on the show um, and actually is open to it, but it's even hard to get him to talk about the state of the club, and I I follow it from afar, so I can't wait to hear, uh, Jimmy, what I I know Chad's been, you know, Long indoctrinated, um, long running supporter. So it would be cool to hear what he's got to say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but that having been said, you know we're we're only really a couple weeks out from the Premier League. Um, you know, uh, a couple Woo! weeks till. <laughs> yes, sir. A uh, couple more weeks until we can you know stop worrying about the transfer madness. Um, it's it's exhausting. Um, so I'm looking forward to them actually playing soccer. I mean, I'm even. Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm even looking forward to some of uh, the preseason stuff, getting to see guys, you know, in uniforms on the field, um, some of the new signings playing, stuff like that. So, uh, very exciting <coughs> in that sense. Yeah, and um, you know, it's remarkable. We've talked many times on this <clears throat> show about how the season, the off season, the Premier League, it really is so short, and we're already talking. Training camp preseason, uh, players are showing up at the practice facilities. They're getting ready to go out right now. Uh, a lot of them are flying out for their international um, kind of preseason tours. I know United's got some some matches coming up, uh, I think with Leeds, and uh, I thought I saw Inter maybe as well, and Spurs actually on July 25. Yeah, that's uh, in Shanghai, right? Is that right? I think it's a couple stops around Asia, man. I think Singapore is – Spurs are playing in Singapore. I don't know if it's all one country or – yeah, it should be cool. Yep. Um, Yeah, speaking of preseason, I am uh, – just from a pure football fan standpoint, I am going to the Liverpool-Borussia Dortmund game on Friday at Notre Dame Stadium. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, That'll be cool. You know, Jurgen Klopp – That's going to be sick. His old team, so – 
Um, uh, although I did have to have the conversation with my wife because she texted me, um, you know, after after she found out we were going, and um, you know, she's not the biggest uh, football fan in the world, but um, she loves being a fan of sports in general, so she always likes to get something when we go. Um, and so she texted me. She's like, "Oh, we're cheering for Liverpool, right?" And I'm like, "I was like, hell no." Oh she's boy. Like, what do you mean? I said, if you bring Liverpool gear into this Manchester United house, I swear to God, I'll, I'll set it on fire in front of you. Uh, and she was like, wow, I didn't know it was that intense. I was like, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. That having been said, I still, I mean, I still respect, like, I, I <laughs> like watching them. I, I like watching them, and I love Jurgen Klopp oh, yeah. um, as, oh, yeah. a, as, a, as a person. So just seeing that game on Friday, it's going to be uh, awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, it's, it's a little stuff like that. You start getting excited again about... Um, you know, real competitive football coming up and none of this transfer silliness that's been going on. Up the Reds, baby. Up the Reds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's re- that's entirely reasonable. I will, I'll be going for Dortmund in that one. But uh, I like, we're all, I think, we all have respect for Liverpool. I mean, we've had, uh, gosh, who was it that came on the show and talked Liverpool with us? Um, but we all love Klopp here. We love his personality. I I think there are many other teams I would have rather lost to in the Champions League final um, than Liverpool. They, they're a, a solid club, so good on them. It'll be good to see them, Jim, especially in that venue. Uh, if for those of you that don't know, Notre Dame Stadium is absolutely gorgeous. Think the big house without the obnoxious press boxes. It's a uh, it's a pretty place. Apparently, I, I haven't actually I haven't actually been to a game there. Yeah, it's uh, I I went a couple years ago. Um, I'm a Western Machine grad, and they played uh, Go Broncos. Yeah, the, uh, Go Broncos. They played uh, they played at uh, Notre Dame. Got creamed, but it was still fun to go. Um, so, yeah, we're actually uh, we're we're lucky enough. Um, my father-in-law uh, knows a guy that gave us free tickets. They're um, they are uh, private suite seats, so all you can eat, all you can drink. And climate controlled, considering the game is supposed to be like close to a hundred on the heat index um, at game time, um, and that's at eight o'clock at night. So um, I would think that the devil would enjoy the heat. Uh, I, I do not enjoy the heat, and considering you know <laughs> my wife is like uh, not totally nine months pregnant now, uh, she does not like the heat at all. So um, it'll be good for everyone that we're in a climate controlled condition. Plus, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not gonna, you know, the devil loves whiskey too. So, um, <laughs> the devil having, loves whiskey. Devil's cut, Jim Beam. That's right, that's right. The good stuff. I love oh. it, Jim. I love it. So Jimmy's gonna be sitting up in a fancy press box in a suite, <laughs> staring down at all the peasants uh, as the devil would do. No, that sounds awesome, man. That sounds like a great yeah. time. Yeah. And I wonder oh. when it's going to be that. You'll be missing an episode or two soon. That's coming up. Uh, yeah, uh, so her due date isn't officially till July 27th, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if she came a little early. Um, We're coming up on se- that. Yeah, it is our second. So I actually had a, a, a friend text me earlier today and asked if I could uh, sub in his uh, soccer game next Tuesday. I was like, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I can't. You can't count on me. Like, if I'm available, I'll play. If, uh, but I'm not making any promises, type thing. It's, it's kind of to that point at this, at, at this stage that, uh, not going too far from home, 
um, for any reason, really. So, no doubt, man. No doubt. At least, at least get up to Crestview, you know. Yes. Yep. We will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bradley and I. Uh, I. Um. I. I am in a golf league on Thursday nights in Kalamazoo, and Bradley is kind enough to lend his uh, semi-pro abilities to uh, to my league. Um. You know, we are in. <laughs> I think we're in second or third place right now, so uh, a good round on Thursday go a long way towards that, uh, you know, that league cup. Um, considering that I play in that league with a bunch of like eighty-year-old dudes, uh, it, it hurts every week when when I lose to a guy who's more than more than twice my age. But no doubt, that's why we <laughs> scouted it out this weekend, man. We'll be ready to go. Indeed, indeed. If I can keep you away from the trees. Um, yeah, that's always a good point because I, I was very distracted. I was seeing some jack pines. There's, there's some some mature, beautiful trees out there. It was a good time. Absolutely. All right, so, so maybe before we go into Premier League, I do want to hit on transfers. I know we're, we're all sick of transfers, but Jim, um, with regard to United, uh, how are you feeling? Just quick hits. How are you feeling about the window as a whole? And what do you think still needs doing? And then any rumors that you have any interest in or think are even semi-legitimate yeah so um i got to see you know um united played against perth um in in an exhibition got to see a little bit of uh daniel james um as as fast and electric as you know as advertised um obviously could still use some polish but as a 21 year old lots of promise there so that was fun um got to see juan basaka in the second half um, I think he's just going to be, uh, I think he's going to be fantastic. Yes, I think we probably overpaid for him, um, but, you know. Everyone you have knows to. United, everyone knows United has money, and you know, that's just the, the way it is at this point. So um, I think he's going to live up to the billing, um, and we definitely need depth there. I can't go another season uh, watching Ashley Young play right back. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it hurts, hurts me deep to my core. Um, but yeah, if, it, if we can get you know him or Diego Dallo to really lock down that right back spot, and Luke Shaw was a revelation last year at left back. Um, he was great. I think it'll go a long way towards you know helping that defense out. You know, um, so those are the, yeah, obviously those are the, those are the two signings: Juan Basaka, like I cliff uh, in Michael's words, I cliff hung <laughs> last week. But yeah, he is. Uh, I think he is a fantastic signing and. Um, and I'm not upset about the money spent because it's, it's not my money. But, uh, um, but yeah. So other you know, the big, I think the big elephant in the room, uh, even more than the the Pogba story, is uh, when will Romelu Lukaku get sold? Um, I was going to ask you about it. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I I get it. You know, he is second choice now behind Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford is grown into such a like such a fantastic footballer um so electric and he's so lethal from that striker position it's um he is going to be you know he is the face of our attack for the foreseeable future um and you know a player of Lukaku's quality pedigree he's still in his prime um I don't blame him for wanting to go and you know be the guy somewhere else um I think that that's fine, you know. I think as long as we get value for him, if in the whole inter talk is, you know, it makes sense. You know, Conte wanted Lukaku so badly a couple of years ago when he signed for United. Um, you know, it's it's 
I'm not surprised that he, you know, reignited that uh, that interest. Um, as long as we get the value for him, like, you know, uh, if they get close to that $70 million valuation, um, let him go. It allows us to maybe find a, another center midfielder to, um, you know, backfill some of our losses there or even, you know, a second striker. But um, I think, you know, the Pogba one is is back and forth, but, you know, the team's operating from a, a position of strength. He's got three years left on his deal. Um and, you know, for, for everything that he is as a distraction, you know, when when and if you can get him focused, he is a fantastic footballer. And it's, I you know, a couple of weeks ago I said, let him go. You know, if he wants to go, let him go. Um, if they can turn his head enough to, you know, even for, even for one more year just to keep him distracted and then, you know, maybe move him on next year, I, I think that's not a, a terrible idea, especially if you want to get back to, competing for a top four spot I think it'll be easier next year if you're in the top four playing in the Champions League to bring in uh, another quality player to um, take that spot if he moves on <clears throat> so I, I think Lukaku is the, the really the last big piece to fall um, I am excited about you know even some of the guys that you know that we've been linked to is, is cool we're united we're gonna get linked to those players but at the same time I think there's some young guys I'd love to see get more of a chance you know um uh, Tahith Chong um, is pretty electric, uh, left-footed player, attacking player, plays out in the wings. Um, he can. I, I think that I would love to see him get more of a run. Um, uh, you know, some of the other guys. You know, um, Mason Greenwood. Uh, is, you know, I think that Mason Greenwood. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's English? Um, I think so. Yeah, I would love to. You know, I, I think that he definitely needs some polish, but, you know, in, in the situation that we're in, if they really want to do a youth movement, uh, you know, they sign some young guys, and that's good, but let's let's try out some of the young guys that we already have coming through the system. Um, I hope that they don't send, uh, um, I'm a slaughter, the pronunciation of his name, but uh, Axel uh, Tuanzebe, uh, he's a center back. We loaned him out to Aston Villa last year. Um, haven't loaned him out yet, you know, if... If we were serious about, like, you know, moving on from Marcus Rojo, which we should, um, and, you know, maybe trying to find somebody to partner with Lindelof, you know, I, I hope that they keep him around to give him a shot as well. Um, I'm tired of seeing McTominay. Him, you know. Oh, uh, McTominay, yeah, he's, he's going to play a lot more with Herrera moving on. So those Love guys, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for some of the youth guys. I, I have no illusions of, you know, winning the Premier League this year, but I think that... I think that we're firmly in a spot where we should be competing for a top four, and I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty open. Uh, I think you know Chelsea might take a step back with a first-year manager, um, and losing Eden Hazard. Um, Spurs so yeah, aren't I'm, anything guaranteed. No, but you guys, you guys getting healthy again is 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 a big thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, we I, don't I, have I to get into predictions, but that's uh, that's a kind of a good pulse check from your perspective to, to kind of see what you're thinking. Yeah. Yep. So very so that's cool. Where, so so you yep. want Rashford. Rashford's the man. He is, he is, uh, he is electric to watch. I mean, he's so much pace and, um, his striking ability, um, you know, both from the run of play and his free kicks. Um, I think he's the guy and he's what, 21 and he's been, this is like his fourth you know, season up. Um, yeah, I think he's. I think he's the guy that you build around, and you got some other nice pieces. Like I still like Martial. He's still very young. 
Uh, oh, yeah. I like Lingard. Lingard's coming into his prime. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think you have a lot of you know attractive pieces um, to really you know build that youth movement, play lots of young guys, and and grow towards the future. So I have two follow-up questions or comments and one question. Comment and a question. Uh, I agree with regard to Rashford. I've enjoyed watching him since I think he broke into the team at like 18, like late in the season and scored, I think, like four or five goals and was a revelation. Like, I don't know if how, off, how off I am on that, Jim. No, it's pretty It's pretty accurate. You got a, a, a game winner against Man City that season. But, yeah, that was uh, – um, I think that was – Van Hall's last season, um, right before Mourinho came in. Nice. Yeah, I, I enjoy watching him. Be curious to see. I had they played him in a center, like a true, a true. What would that be? A nine role. Yeah. So since since uh, Ali took over from Mourinho, um, he he has been the first choice striker, playing the out and out striker, kind of like your Harry Kane in Tottenham. Um, yeah. That's where they deployed him, and that's the whole reason why you know you see Lukaku wanting to move on is he lost that starting job to to Rashford, um, no doubt. And and he he does look electric there. I think that there's still room for growth, but he's still very young, um, showing lots of promise. So, um, getting him signed to a long term deal was uh, is, you know is very important. Nice, and then. Uh, another comment I saw: sixty mil for Lukaku to enter, which I think is plenty of money. Uh, just quick side comment there: that's a good chunk. Um, yeah, I would want yeah. something closer to, like closer to sixty with, um, some add-ons de- uh, depending on. That's what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. So that I, I think like I would be happy with that, but obviously you know we we spent I think seventy million only a couple seasons ago um and he's he's not it's not like he's diminished I, I think that you know his form might have dipped um as far as united goes but i mean he was it was just last summer we were talking about how electric he was playing for belgium you know he was he was great um, yeah so i think that if he finds himself in the right system he can get right back to that form and um whether or not it's good for united uh his, uh, his style of play is good for united it's you know it might be you know 70 million dollars worth to another club and um no doubt. I, I wish him all the best. I love him. Um, I love him still, and I, I, I hope you know hope he finds success somewhere else. I'm also a fan. I don't have many players I hate on your team other than Valencia. He's gone. I fucking hate Valencia. Good. He's Good. gone. Yeah, Ashley Young Good. is punk ass. <laughs> yeah, he's a punk too. All right, so uh, last comment with regard to the Red Devils would be a question. Uh, I was talking to our friend Ed, who needs to come on the pod, big Manchester United fan, has a Red Devil tattooed on his calf, and it is large. Um, it is, yes. Yes, and he and I were talking about Lingard and how he was a little bit out of favor, and Ed, I think, was kind of expressing some concerns that maybe he permanently lost his starting job. I don't know. I've always liked Lingard. I think I liken him to a Daily Alley player, but... I mean, where, where do you sit on him? I know you just mentioned him, but maybe just quick recap where you think he's headed. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, he's age-wise, he's coming into his prime. Um, I think the ability is there. I think that, um, you know, you always think about, you know, he is, um, how do I phrase it? Um, 
he is a very um, excitable player, like, uh, you know, and, and both on and off the pitch. You know, he is. Um, Seems like a good dude. A, yeah, he is, but he's kind of a goofball. I think that, you know, I think if they're challenging him, it's more about focusing on making sure that he does all the things necessary. I mean, they, they did invest a lot of money in him. Um, I know he's got a pretty healthy wage packet. And then, and right now, if you look at our roster, he like he should be one of the first choice guys, either in that like uh, um, out on the wing or an attacking mid type position. So I think you know unless he has a you know an awful preseason, it it's I think it's still his job to lose. Um, I like him um, for a lot of reasons, um, but as it stands right now, I I can't imagine him, you know straight up losing his job. I don't know who he would lose his job to at this point. So, Gotcha. Fair enough. Um, so let's see here. Should we jump over to the rooster side or should we go more broad? Because I know we want to hit on just some high level what we're excited about for the Premier League outside of our clubs as well. Well, let's uh, let's let's do that, but in a, in a more specific, uh, you know, Tottenham feel. So, like, uh, give me... Give me, uh, you know, considering what's transpired um, in the transfer window, we, we kind of talked about that last week, but, like, with those moves being made and, you know, getting guys healthy, um, you know, what is, like what are you looking forward to the most this season? And are there some guys, you know, that you guys have counted in the past that maybe aren't – I don't know. I, I read today, like, you know, they were talking about how um, – you know, Dyer has regressed and um, yes. Wanyama has regressed, um, but there's still like there's still guys mm. that you guys should be able to count on for depth, right? Yeah, so there's a lot to dive into there. Um, with regard, right off the bat, to Dyer and Wanyama. To be fair, they were injured almost all of last year, both of them. And but I do I do agree though, at a broad level, with the regression of Dyer because when he first came up. And right, he came up and he was supposed to be a center back and Pochettino deployed him as a center, you know, holding mid. And he was outstanding. He was dynamite for like two, three seasons. And then he got the freak appendis, uh, appendicitis in like December of this year. And then he basically didn't play the rest of the year. He got a bunch of complications from it. And then he got like sicknesses because his body was weak. And now they just found out he's going to be out for another couple weeks with some other issue. So Really troubling, uh, troubling stuff and, and just struggling to stay healthy. So to his defense, I think that's a big part of it. But before that, his game had regressed a little bit. So, yeah, but regardless, he's a depth guy, just like Wanyama should be a depth guy, right? I mean, Dyer at his best should maybe be close to starting consistently. But Wanyama is a, is a, is a hustle guy, is a solid tackler, is not spectacular, right? He's solid. Um, he's definitely worthy of the Premier League from what I've seen, but he's definitely not going to blow the doors off. So obviously, I actually feel really good about our midfield situation. If Wanyama and Dyer can get healthy and then push the other guys that have come in, you know, I'm trying to figure out how Pochettino is going to roll things out, and that's what I think is most exciting to me is how is he going to use uh, Dembele um, alongside Sissoko, and I'm seeing these training practice uh, pictures of these two, and they're they're just going to crush the arsenal midfield and i can't wait physically like they're going to physically destroy them little little uh what's his fucking name Terrera. Terrera, they're gonna eat Terrera's face off and i can't wait um but sorry for that that was a tangent but i'm very (laughs) excited about the midfield depth now especially with winksy 
I think that everyone thinks Winksy is going to be um, not as involved. I think you're going to be surprised. He's uh, he's an excellent passer, high high consistency passer, and he he starts to move up the field often and is able to carry the ball through that first like maybe bit of the midfield to get the the move going. And so I'm interested to see how Sissoko Winks. And Dembele, our top three midfielders, get deployed um, sitting back there. But to be fair, Jim, there have been a couple of developments since the last time we talked, even one as of today. So Trippier, no surprise, we think he's gone. Looks like it's official almost with Atletico Madrid. Happy trails, love the guy, up and down season, but was great for us. And uh, I think purchased for 8 mil from Burnley, so 20 mil, all right, 12 mil, nice, not bad, happy trails. And then what's fascinating about that move at right back is you're going, oh, shit, we don't have any depth there now. we got to sign another right back. No, 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 not so fast. It's Pochettino, baby. It's the revolution. So we got Kyle Walker-Peters, who I personally think is dog shit and too teeny to compete. He's even smaller and frailer than Trippier. And I know right backs are meant to get forward, but I'm just not sold on his defensive skills. Um, but Serge Aurier, if the damn guy can stay healthy, I think is a really good talent. Um, and has enough discipline in Pochettino's system to get it done. But the fascinating development is Juan Foyt, okay, Argentinian center back that we purchased a couple seasons ago and had a really nice year this year, um, only, I want to say, 20 years old. He has been starting for Argentina at center back. Well, he started at right back in this recent tournament um, the last couple of weeks. Was that the Copa America? Yeah. Yeah. Copa America, he, he started it right back all of a sudden, all the matches. And it, it turns out that Pochettino started working him into that role at the end of last year and asked if he was interested. And he said it was all Pochettino's idea. Played great against Brazil. Um, so I believe that Pochettino is going to deploy him and have him push Aurier and move him permanently to right back. So that I'm really looking forward to seeing if that happens. So, yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah, lots to lots to unpack there. Um, I, I a couple follow ups on on just the the depth itself. So, um, uh, you know, as you know, as Spurs fans and and United fans well know from last season, I think we uh, both our teams led the Premier League in uh, you know missed time with injuries um, for both of our clubs. Um, um, yeah, I mean it's it's part of the game, right? You know, it's it's part of it, but you know. When you're talking about your guys' depth, I mean, I even you know read about you know a young guy you guys have uh, Oliver Skip, you know, uh, you know, as a promising young player. I mean, would you would you say if you guys were healthy with the depth that you guys have been able to build over the last couple of years, if, if you're healthy, and I know it's a big if, um, would you, you know, would you expect to maybe see some of those guys play more in some of the tournaments that you know, uh, Poke hasn't you know really. Uh, cared about much in the past, like the League Cup or the or the FA Cup, would you expect to see a little more of that sort of action in those tournaments this season? Absolutely. I think Skip gets a lot more time even than he got last year. And he got a couple runouts. I mean, he, I don't know if he got any starts. He played a lot in the International Champions Cup, and then we didn't see him till the League Cup, to your point, um, and FA Cup. But And part of that was because of injuries. But, yeah, I think they'll keep pushing him. Um, there's... Gosh, I'm forgetting his name, which is horrible of me, but there's a young uh, winger that they invited and, and didn't put him out to the second team. What do they call that normally with the club, Jim? Oh, the, res- the reserves. 
Yeah, the the reserve squads. Um, like the is no, there? Do they have like U twenty threes? Yeah, U twenty threes. Yep. Yeah, the U twenty threes or maybe it was the U twenty ones. I don't know if those are different, but um, those those teams were getting ready to start training, and they are bringing him to the international champions cup again. So I think he'll mix it in a little bit. I also think to your point though, Jim, like. Spurs, uh, again, I have concerns about Danny Rose. I don't, so quick side tangent. Danny Rose is left out of Tottenham's preseason tour of Asia. And that does not bode well. And there's been a lot of rumors about him being on the market for the last year and a half. And I would be personally devastated. I love the man. If you've ever seen his first goal, it's insane um, for Spurs. And I I just love him. I'm a huge, huge Danny Rose fan. I love the man. And I would be bummed to lose him. But. Things like that, you know, bother me with regard to depth. But generally, I do feel like, Jim, if we don't get killed with injuries this year, we do have more depth than we've had since Pochettino's been here. And that's conditional upon making at least one more signing. But I generally feel good, yeah. So we'll see how he uh, deploys some of those young players. It'll be interesting. I I can't wait for the season. I can't wait for just all Premier League. Um, It'll be fun. So maybe we should roll into some agnostic of our two clubs to kind of wrap things up here. what do you, are there particular teams, like I know for me, real quick, Wolves, to see how they have a sophomore slump or maybe a sophomore succession, they do even better. I'm curious about the teams on the 7-9 to nine bubble, how they're going to react, like Leicester, I'd love to see Leicester make a run at a top four, um, and yeah, Wolves and then Everton, of course, I'm always kind of rooting for Everton a little bit, but Jimmy, what... What intrigues you? Uh, promoted teams. Uh, what's what's in your brain other than our clubs? Um, well, I mean, just to mention Wolves really quick. I mean, I think it's. I mean, is it just me or is it wild that you know, with all the transfer, you know, like, uh, for lack of a better word, bullshit that comes out, you know, as far as reporting, I can't believe that they haven't even randomly linked Ruben Neves to any team, right? Because he had such a fantastic first year for Wolves in the Premier League. Last season, it's, um, you know, maybe he was so good that everyone knows that no one's going to touch Wolves um, or no one's going to touch him at Wolves. Um, but that's just you know, a weird observation. Um, that is, yeah, no, think, can we, can we, can I ask a follow-up for you on that? Yeah, yeah, like, like, they see, they do seem insulated. That's a great point. It's a great observation because Everton players constantly linked, constantly linked. Um, Lester, Harry Maguire, right? These, yep. these just below the elites have a really solid player, they always are linked up. West Ham, so on, so you can go down the line, but do you think there's a, I know they got money infused, is it a wage where he the player's really happy? Is it a culture? I mean, what's your hypothesis? I think it's a little bit of the culture, right? So, like, I mean, they, 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 they made it a point when they were in the championship that they uh, built, you know, young Portuguese talent. Um, and Neves is Portuguese. They had a couple other guys. Um, one of the guys they just sold... Uh, uh, Helder Costa, um, they sold to Leeds, um, or maybe it's, I think it's a loan with an option to buy, but yeah, he's, he went to Leeds, but yeah, I think like, uh, and, you know, and they bought Nuno Espirito Santos is Portuguese, and I think they made it a point to make everyone feel really at home, and, and they really got everyone there to buy into the project, right, like they, uh, they started this a couple of years ago when the rich owners bought Wolves, that they, um, you know, they really wanted to drive back to the Premier League and not just be there, but also like compete there. And they did. I mean, they had a fantastic year last season. But even even that having been said, even when teams have money, Leicester had a lot of money, and they still got cannibalized like crazy. Uh, you know, after they won 
Um, oh man, they won the Premier League. Conte, go down the line. Yeah. yeah, other than Jimmy Vardy, everyone got sold. Um, so I think it's uh, it, it's just I don't I don't know why it is. Um, I, I I don't guess to know why, but yeah, they uh, nobody you know they've been able to you know quietly you know sign Raul Jimenez permanently. Um, look at some other guys and. And not really lose any of their major pieces. They uh, they look poised to I think uh, really make a run of the top six. Um, you know next season. Uh, Everton always feels like they're you know in flux, but to be able to hold on to Richarlison um, this off season, you know he had a yeah, great like year with them, um, and he he played you know he played at the Copa America with Brazil. Um, you might see you might see them make a step up, but they always feel like they're taking you know one step forward, two steps back, and just kind of hanging out around tenth. Uh, I, I think if Leicester you know holds on to Maguire, and I didn't even mention that because I like it's such a crazy figure for a defender who I don't think it's worth that, especially when uh, you know Delight or Delict or however you pronounce it just went to Juventus for sixty five, and they're talking about eighty for Harry Maguire. Um, it's you know it's crazy. Wow. Um, so so it's. Um, you know, I think if Leicester, you know, keeps, you know, brings the band back, you know, uh, with Tielemans in there and, and James Madison and Vardy still has some legs, I think that, you know, Leicester is another one of those teams that's right in that range. Um, team, like, uh, another team that's always mentioned that always seems to be, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride is, is West Ham. Um, they, they tend to spend, you know, a good amount of money and they always, you know, are mentioned in that second tier, but, um, you know, they, they've been linked to that uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, striker. His name escapes me, but I'm um, talking about, like, $45 million for him to replace Mar- uh, Arnautovic, who went to China. Um, Marco. You know, yeah, and, I, you know, maybe they, they do, but I, I really like you know, I really like what the teams that Leicester and Wolves have put together. I think, if anybody, those are the two teams that are really poised to make a push to the top six. Um Personally, um, for the teams that came up, you know, um, uh, I, I don't have any feelings about Norwich. They they were in the Premier League um, for a long time when I when I watched at least the last like ten years. You know, um, I actually got to see them play live. That's my only game I get to see is them in Palace. Um, so good luck to them. So but, you know, Sheffield United hasn't been up in, in many moons, and and really getting Aston Villa back. Like I said, that's that's a club that w- that was you know really historically one of Historically speaking, you know, one of the bigger clubs there has been or had been in England. So getting them back in the Premier League, um, they, you know, hopefully they're not Fulham, right? You know, they've spent over a hundred million pounds in transfers, which they had to to secure themselves to the Premier League. But they have some good pieces like Jack Grealish, and um, I, I'm interested to see if they are able to, you know, get all those guys on the same page in enough time to, you know. You know, maybe finish in that 13, 12, 11 range um, too. So, those are those are all my my other team um, feelings, um, so to speak. Lovely, lovely stuff, Jim. All right. Well, I think we can maybe wrap up with a, a rant or two. Um, I think we covered. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to dive into predictions yet on the pod, Way but we're early. getting we're getting close though. <laughs> we're getting close. Another couple of weeks. That's right. But, uh, yeah, well, you, got a, you got anything you want to rant on? I don't think so. I think just quick, just quick comment on the transfer silliness. It, it really is remarkable. This has been 
by far the most attention I paid to transfers since probably my first year when I was just like drinking from the fire hose and like I'll listen <laughs> to anything and wow that's an amazing link and rumor and it's all bullshit. Uh, but I come back around to it really hard this year because it, to be fair, I mean this is Spurs most. I think this is Spurs most important off season in general as far as direction of the club, and that's just me suckling at the Pochettino tit, but. Um, I really believe it's true now that they're in the new stadium and they're trying to act in a different way, but it just is a lot of bullshit. Um, we've talked about the fact that it needs to be tiered as far as authenticity on like Reddit forums. And it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Some of these reporting outlets and how anyone takes them seriously is amazing. But the fact that there are tiers of seriousness kind of backs up that everyone kind of knows it's bullshit, but, but still it's reported. I mean, it's clicks. So it's, it's crazy, man. So that's my rant. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I, I am good with that. I've uh I have nothing to add. I've I've spoken myself out today, so <laughs> Fair enough, my friend. Right. Well, we had a rooster, just one rooster, and then we had a devil. And I think it went and just fine. Devil. So we'll we'll just fade into existence now. Goodbye. Goodbye. This episode is brought to you by Fucking nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Part two, coming right up. All right, and welcome back to another interview on Rooster and the Devil. I am joined today by longtime Arsenal fan, uh, soccer fan in general, um, Chad Smith. Um, Chad, how's it going, bud? It's going well. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Glad to be here. Glad to talk some Arsenal and talk some Premier League. Absolutely. We're coming up. It's uh, three weeks or so um, from the first game, so that's uh, it's exciting. Um so getting right into some of the Arsenal stuff because you know from our podcast we're not we're not Arsenal centric we're you know obviously United and Tottenham supporters so it's nice to get a different perspective. Um, how do you how do you feel that last season went for you guys? You know the first year you're underneath uh, Emery. Uh, well, <clears throat> I would have to say overall it was about how I expected it to go. Um, you know, I the beginning of the season. Uh, went I thought very well obviously they had uh roughly that 20 21 game unbeaten streak in all competitions that stretched for like three months or so um <clears throat> it's kind of a typical Arsenal fashion uh in modern times towards the end of the season where there was just a capitulation towards the end of the season um not exactly happy with the way the season ended obviously we didn't achieve Champions League football or um, win the Europa League to get into the Champions League that way. But, um, you know, overall it was a good, successful season. You know, Emery um, <clears throat> kind of took over, didn't really get to put his stamp on the on the squad through the transfer market or anything of that sort. Um, you know, there were some key injuries throughout the season that uh, played a part in the way he set his team up. Um, you know, overall, you know, I was happy to see, you know, that we were competing on all fronts and, um, you know, a little unfortunate the way the, the last month and a half or so of the season went, but overall successful season, um, could have been a little bit better, but, um, absolutely could have been worse. Yeah. We, we talked about the, the transfer window and, you know, um, Emery getting an opportunity, obviously he's inheriting all of, you know, uh, Wenger's players, 
Um, like, uh, what guys do you see as, as key cogs, you know, from that squad moving forward versus what guys, um, do you feel like maybe we should move on from as a team? Well, I think, uh, it's pretty, um, <clears throat> it's been pretty disappointing at this point, the, the level of inactivity in the transfer market, um, you know, obviously coming in fifth place in the, in the league, you know, we were only a point out of fourth, but. Um, you'd like to see as a supporter the club go out and at least spend some money to you know where they see fit but you know unfortunately that hasn't happened yet um, to, to anyone's liking I would imagine that supports Arsenal um, you know the key players returning for me at least um, you know there's some <clears throat> I'm, I'm hoping that Hector Bellerine comes back fully fit He's, he's supposed to be due back sometime in September. Um, obviously, Lacazette is, you know, player of the year last season. Really provides, uh, you know, a lot of leadership and obviously goal scoring. Um, you know, Aubameyang is obviously going to be a big part of this team, you know, with his goal scoring abilities. Um, you know, besides that, <clears throat> we obviously Ganduzi and Torreira in midfield are going to be Expected, I would think, to shoulder maybe a little bit more of the load in the midfield, especially with Ramsey departing. Um, yeah, I, I still think that Ozil is going to just be a bit part player, probably only going to get his runouts during home matches that kind of suit more of his capabilities at this point of his career. I don't really see him being too influential on the uh, you know away from home. Um, <clears throat> Socrates in, in the back line uh, is probably the best central defender we have. Um, you know, I think looking at departures, uh, I, I would say that, at, myself included, every Arsenal supporter at this point feels that Mustafi is just not up to the level of s- standard that we need to get back to the Champions League. He's been a calamity of errors since his time at Arsenal, um, <clears throat> you know, Rob Holding's going to be coming back from a major injury. He's one that, uh, you know, looks like he could absolutely step in and be, you know, a, a, an outstanding center half for the future and, and for the present. Um, you know, obviously, Jaka is going to be a part of the midfield. Um, kind of tough you know I'd like to see Mkhitaryan gone uh Ozil I'd like to see gone um they just eat up too too much of the wage bill for a club like Arsenal and the way that their uh finances are structured um those would be two players that would be I would choose along with Mustafi as a third player that if we were to really free up some funds and give us um some added uh might in the transfer market that those three would definitely give us some flexibility but uh it's kind of tough I mean there's been obviously rumors floating around like there are every off season but difficult to uh move on from players that <clears throat> make the kind of wages they do very limited market and you know the performances don't really match the 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 wage bill so um We'll see what they do. I'm hoping that uh, there's some activity between now and the end of the transfer window, but not confident. <laughs> it's kind of been the Arsenal story in years past, so we'll see what they do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, a quick note. Yeah, so I apologize for some of the extra noise we do. We are in close to a construction zone, so uh, if you hear something, don't worry, we're not getting run over. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about uh, transfers. You guys did bring in, um, you know, a new uh, technical director, right? And in yes. Edo. Um, uh, what do you think that he brings um, as far as, you know, uh, you know, looking forward and trying to sculpt the team in, in Emery's Im, uh, image, so to speak. Uh, how do you see him fitting in? So everything that I've read up until this point, obviously with uh, the Wenger era now over, you know, well over, um, there was a lot of apprehension from the the club's leadership to have a structure in place where there's, you know, <clears throat> like a technical director like Edu. Um, you know, Arsene Wenger was always, uh, you know, an objectionist to having additional, um, you know, men at, at that stage of the club. Um, <clears throat> so now you've got Raul Sunlee that's, uh, you know, like the head of football, and then below him's Edu, and then you've got, um, obviously, Emery is the, the manager. Uh, I guess, you know, Looking at it, uh, I don't think there's any going to be, be any immediate effects with the appointment of Edu. Um, <clears throat> he's kind of more of the long-term uh, visionary for the club, you know, identifying players that he sees, uh, you know, fit for, I guess, what Emery wants to accomplish with his squad. Um, you know, hopefully uh, appointing an, an invincible like Edu, you hopefully like to see in time uh the club get to back to you know the top of the premier league or or near the top of the premier league um you know <clears throat> it was a post that was vacant for quite a while i'm glad to see that they finally got somebody into the role um we'll see what he can do in time but i don't think that the the immediate effects are going to be noticed from his appointment more of a long-term play with that position yeah so i mean we're talking like you know club structure in general um you know there's been a lot made of the you know quote-unquote reported amount of money they have to spend this transfer window and i think that you know i've heard what i've read some supporters point back to uh some of the you know quote-unquote stinginess of of uh stan Kroenke as the owner how do you feel about you know it's been a little over a year now, right, since he's bought out the the supporter group, um, and he he is making all the decisions. How do you feel about about him and and the ownership group in general in that sense? Uh, not happy with the ownership group. Um, I feel that they're uh, essentially running the club a little dry. Uh, you know, this is a club that's one of the biggest clubs in the world, consistently has been for decades um you know as a supporter we've been told for the past you know basically since uh the emirates was built in the early 2000s mid 2000s that once the stadium was built we would compete with anybody in europe and that essentially has not happened um <clears throat> you know you try to be patient but uh there's just not really much there to go by, you know, in terms of the support that's shown at the at the uh, ownership level. Um, there's a graph that I saw uh, that 
Arsenal is the only Premier League team, I don't know if it was in the last five or ten years, that has zero dollars of ownership money put into the team. And it's just, it's insane to think that you've got this big, you know, club worth, you know, billions of dollars. And um, to think that it can just self-sustain in today's market is a little bit naive, I think. Um, You know, when you're talking about the rumored 40, maybe 45 million pound transfer budget that's available this offseason. I mean, obviously, Jim, you know, that doesn't really get you much in today's market. It might get you like a 20-year-old prospect or something like that at a key position, but you know, it's it's a, it's just a little bit naive for me the way the ownership group is looking at the club and expecting, uh, you know, essentially Emery to work wonders. I mean, he hasn't really put any kind of stamp on this squad as of yet. I mean, I don't consider the Gabriel Martinelli signing to be of any substance at this point. I mean, he's an 18-year-old, you know, from uh, you know, kind of like a regional league in Brazil. So it's it's not even like he was playing at the the top level in Brazil, um, <clears throat> you know he's obviously one for the future. It's just I'm looking at the club now and thinking like like where do we go? It's it doesn't nothing really seems to make sense uh, in the way the transfer dealings happen and um, you know Arsenal's probably the worst team in the Premier League and managing contracts uh, as they wind down. And letting players like Ramsey and Welbeck walk for free, not receiving any kind of transfer fee in return, you know, for a self-sustaining club that's vital to get something for a player like Ramsey, especially in the prime of his career, you know, worth 40 to 45 million pounds or more. Um, You know, as a supporter, it's, uh, you're kind of on your last fuse with the way the, the, the ownership group has, you know, managed this club in the last 10 years well it's kind of it's kind of boiled over even uh yesterday you know the um one of the supporter groups putting out basically uh a notice that you know like um we think that we have a an owner that's you know doesn't care just using the club as an investment vehicle um you know the emirates has, has become a soulless place on game days that um that you know the ownership group has kind of sucked the the joy out of of being an arsenal fan um, I mean, are, are you're saying that you're at that level too? You'd... Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it. I guess even the most, you know, patient supporter has to be looking at this club now and thinking it's just inevitable that we'll at this at this rate. There's no way we can get back near the top of the league. I mean, and when you've got teams like Man City and Liverpool and you know Chelsea reinvesting heavily and you know obviously man united is going to be there um tottenham is a force to be reckoned with there's just it's hard to look at it from an arsenal standpoint and think how do we get back to the top if unless you spend some money like it's it's gotten to the point where it's you know you have to open up the checkbook a little bit there i mean you can't just keep manufacturing results without you know putting in new players or being able to employ different systems but um yeah, just it's a little bit frustrating. All you can do is hope that uh, something between now and the end of the transfer window, you know, something major happens. You know, sale that triggers a purchase or you know something along those lines. But um, you know, just hoping for the best at this point. Uh, as an Arsenal supporter, there's 
really not a whole lot to look forward to in the transfer market, you know, with the rumored budget and, um, you know, just hope that <laughs> we can start with at least a signing or two. That would be, that would be ideal. I would think going in, into the end of the window here. Yeah. Not, uh, not, you know, trying to rub salt in the wound, but you know, it's, it's, you know, now you're looking at your club captain refuses to, to travel for preseason, um, it, it seems a little sour um, in that sense. And I, I think he has his own personal motivations outside of, you know, just whatever's going on with the club. But, um, I mean, that's just got to, I mean, whatever you feel about Koscielny at this point in his career as a, as a 33-year-old center defender, um, you know, he is still effective um, and, uh, you know, filling a good need for you guys, as, especially as a club captain. Um, what would you like to see happen with that? Would you like to see them extend him or grant him his wishes to move on? Um, what do you think would be a good outcome in that? Yeah, um, so Emery kind of touched on this last night in you know a media um, session. Uh, apparently he's spoken with the player. Uh, it sounds as if, uh, as of last night, that the club may or may not be in contact with Koscielny over the situation. Um, I, I guess I feel for Koscielny a little bit that, um, you know, he's, he's been with Arsenal now nine seasons, was signed in 2010. Um, he's been a loyal servant to the club. He's been a great captain. You know, he leaves it all on the pitch every, every game that he plays. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what his motivations are. I, I, I would think that, you know, as he gets into the twilight of his career, he may want to, you know, maybe be back in France, you know, kind of set up his family a little bit better for a long-term play, you know, for just his life and, you know, outside of his uh, footballing career. But um, I, I'm not sure, you know, he had an injury last season. I'm wondering if he's looking at the Arsenal fixture list and thinking that, um, you know, especially with the lack of signings, you know, is he going to be expected to play you know, every match. I'm not sure if he's able to do that at his age. If if there's a difference in opinion on, like, his personal thoughts on what, what kind of playing time he would expect to play versus what the club want him to play, you know, it might be a little bit less demanding if he moves to maybe, like, a, you know, a mid-table French club. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel for him. I, I don't know if, if you know, not ch- choosing to not attend the preseason tour is the best route to get a resolution. Um, you know, obviously as a, a fan, I'd like to see him with the squad and, you know, playing and, you know, anticipation for the, the upcoming season because he is still on contract through uh, this coming season. Um, you know, I just hope that whatever happens, if he's not happy, you know, at this point, I maybe we can find – uh, you know, uh, a replacement in the transfer market if we were allowed, if he was allowed to leave. Um, but again, it gets back to, you know, maybe looking at opening up the checkbook, identifying a target to replace him. I mean, he is 33. I don't know how much you could really expect him, you know, to contribute in this upcoming season. I mean, obviously he's not going to be running out there, you know, for, you know, 40 plus m- matches, but, um, you know, I, I just hope that whatever happens, it happens soon because it's not a good situation for the club, the player. Um, you know, if he wants to go, then I would let him go at this point. I mean, you know, f- identify a target, bring in 
uh, the replacement and, you know, move on at this point and, you know, give the captaincy to another player like Lacazette or uh, somebody that, um, you know, <laughs> we can move forward with. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, uh, last, last little bit on the transfer stuff here. Like, what is, for you guys, you know, um, looking at the squad, looking at the fixture list, you know, playing in the Europa League is, is highly demanding, um, you know, as far as games go. Uh, what, what, if you could strengthen one spot in your squad, like one position, if there was a certain player that you think about, um, like what... What would be a successful transfer window for you guys as far as, you know, what position would you want to fill? Uh, I think you just have to start in the back um, with a center half. I mean, you know, if, if we could get in, – in, Emery has even talked about this in the past. Um, you know, just having – like the way that Liverpool signed Van Dyke last year – uh, that was obviously huge for their squad and, you know, just provides that rock-solid foundation – to start the back line, um, you know, Socrates is getting older. He's into his 30s. Koscielny's obviously 33 and looking to move. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Holding, who's young, coming off an injury. Um, you know, Callum Chambers isn't, not sure what the manager thinks of him at this point. Um, you know, I, I just feel like that... W- <laughs> Center half is probably number one on my list. If I was to pick a position to strengthen today, and this is the only signing we get for the transfer window, it would be a, a rock-solid, you know, starting 11 quality center half. Well, I mean, I mean, from my perspective, I, I mean, I could give you two on cheap. I'll, I'll give you Phil Jones and, <laughs> and Marcus Rojo for a ham sandwich. Both of them. Just take them. It's a nice, tasty ham sandwich. Yeah, I mean, it, it, at this, you know, and I've seen the McGuire stuff for eighty million pounds. That seems crazy to me. It's I wouldn't go. I wouldn't yeah. go that far, but no. you know, there's got to be a target. I mean, yeah. you know, the William Saliba transfer has been rumored. I'm not sure what kind of immediate relief he could provide. I think he's eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, obviously one for the future type, but. Yeah, it's just tough. I mean, when you're talking a 40, 45 million pound transfer budget, that doesn't really get you not a, not what a, you would expect. Not a would, starter, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you're talking, I mean, what was the, um, shoot, who was the player that just signed for 26 million pounds? Englishman, he's like a fourth or fifth center back for Bournemouth. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it, the, the market's just been crazy. Like, it's. And you know, and that's just the naivety that I keep talking about with the ownership. It's just I don't under, understand how you would expect to compete at a Champions League type level in the Premier League with that small of a budget. And you've got teams like Leicester and um, you know mid-table teams that are doubling our budget somehow. Aston Villa comes in and signs six, seven players is exceeding 100 million pounds in their transfer dealings this summer. I, I it's, you know, it's just inevitable that, you know, you're going to keep floating down more towards the mid-table area if, you know, you don't reinvest. There just has to be investment. Um, but but yeah, I mean, there's so many areas of the team, you know, looking at a Ramsey replacement that that should be maybe on the list. 
Um, you know, it's been talked about that the way uh, Iwobi's been deployed with Nigeria, um, how he's been played more central. You know, he might be one that kind of slots into the Ramsey role as a Ramsey light, you know. Um, it looks like Reese Nelson's probably going to get some, uh, you know, looks at wide forward wide positions. Um, you know, there's some other, you know, Ankita, Willick. Uh, there's a lot of young guys coming through that are, are getting some looks, and uh, I would expect them to maybe at least play some kind of part with the first team. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's the back line. I mean, you know, a team that let in 51 goals last season in the Premier League, uh, you know, around mid-table, um, you know, in terms of goals allowed, it's just an area that the team needs to strengthen. And, you know, I don't think anybody uh, would disagree with that. It's uh, It's been a very problematic area for the team, and it has been for a long time. A lot of underinvestment and, uh, you know, aging you know players in the in those positions so um you know first choice center back would be right on the top of my list do you put any of the the goals scored i mean i've i've read you know kind of mixed bag reviews on on leno um as a goalie obviously he is the guy now with uh with check retired um do you have full confidence in leno to keep growing and developing yeah i do um i think he's uh been a pretty solid goalkeeper uh you know, he was one that Mislintot brought in before he left. Um, you know, I, I can't really blame him completely for the goals that were allowed. I mean, the the back line has been the, the weak point, really. And, you know, you can even see that in the way Emery set up his team last season, um, switching constantly between a, a, a back line of three or a back line of four, depending on the availability of certain players. But... Um, you know, Leno, I, I, I consider him, you know, a top quality goalkeeper, um, based on what I've seen. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't look at strengthening that position or, you know, buying an understudy at all. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably the least of their worries at this point. I mean, I'm, I could see, you know, him being a a Premier League winning goalkeeper if, if he had the pieces around him, um, you know, to to not allow goals in. So let's uh let's look let's look to the future cuz you know hope springs eternal the new season coming around the corner here um for you as an Arsenal supporter looking at this season um qualify success for me for you guys this season. What 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 do you want to see from the club taking the next step forward? What, what would that be? So obviously we're on our third season running of no Champions League football. That's paramount to getting back to the level of, you know, I guess success, if you will, of what a, an Arsenal supporter expects, you know, from the club. Um, you know, getting b- back into the Champions League is uh, where we've been <laughs> forever, and, you know, that's that's where I consider at least some success, getting into the top four. I'm not going to be picky and try to, say, win the league, or, you know, that's just unrealistic at this point, so... You know, just getting back into the Champions League. We were a point off the pace last season. You know, from from April on, I think they only uh, Arsenal only took like four or five points from like seven, you know, twenty one possible. 
Um, you know, we were right there going into the, the tail end of the season. You know, we just, I, the lack of depth and, um, you know, maybe a few errors on Emory's part and team selection and whatnot, and we'd be right back into the, into the Champions League. And obviously we were in the Europa League final. You know, that didn't really go so well against Chelsea. But, um, you know, getting back into the Champions League, you know, having a, a strong showing again in the Europa League, I don't expect to win it, but I expect, obviously, to make the knockout stages and, you know, maybe progress to at least a semifinal before, you know, you can start to look at matchups and, you know, um, you know, think that you might be winning it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, getting back into the Champions League is paramount. That's where I consider success, you know, and hopefully the investment side can take care of, you know, some of the depth issues we've had and, you know, allowing us to finish the season strong again. And, to, you know, that's where your bread and butter is in the Premier League or in any football season. So, um, yeah, I, I just hope that we can somehow get back into the Champions League. And I'm not sure which clubs you would identify that we would hop over, but um, that's that's where I'd like to be. Absolutely. So we covered – all sorts of Arsenal stuff, but I mean, outside of being an Arsenal fan, you're also a huge fan of the Premier League. So, um, I'd love to hear from you. What uh, what is your prediction for the top six? How are we finishing out this year? All right, so let's see. Um, you know, it's got to be like one A, one B with Man City and Liverpool, probably the two best squad. You know, t- pound for pound squads in the, in the Premier League. Um, you know, I think I still think Tottenham's going to be up there. Uh, it seems like they haven't, you know, they haven't managed to lose anybody, which I kind of found a little surprising. I thought you might have some of the the bigger European boys come in and sniff around the squad, and maybe steal a player or two. I think it's I think but, it's crazy that you know, like <laughs> not like you know in in this in this crazy window of like you know throwing around names like in all sorts of money that not once have I read like oh Real Madrid or Barcelona is interested in like Harry yeah. Kane like. How does that not happen? Like, how does that, you know, even if it's, you know, bullshit conjecture, how does that at least story not get posted once? Yeah, I mean, it seems like you would see players from Tottenham linked, especially with their strong finish in the Champions League. And, you know, they've been performing very high on a limited budget. And some of their players just, to me, have, like, Manchester United or, you know, Man City written all over them based on their performances. But... You know, that somehow they've managed to stay out of the limelight and, you know, you don't really hear any rumors about their players. I mean, I, I still have to think that, you know, they've got their essential the whole squad intact. They're going to still right be up there. Um, I, I don't know if Chelsea will take a step back necessarily, uh, but the, I don't think they're going to be a threat to win the league next do, season. Do you think Lampard makes it through the season? <sighs> That's <laughs> it's a tough call. I I. Do not think that that was a good appointment. I don't see that. Uh, I don't. I, I need more body of work to to give him a post like that. I I'm kind of su- surprised a little bit that he's um he's in the position he's in this early stage of his managerial career. But you know, uh, not to say that I want to see them do well. I, I just <laughs> I I think that's a little bit early for that appointment, but. I, I think they do maybe, yeah, I guess they do think they will take a step back, especially losing Hazard, you know, um, you, know, you bring in Pulisic, but 
I, I, I don't know if he can fill those shoes quite yet at this point of his career. Um, you know, I think, I think Manchester United's a little bit of a mess right now. I uh, don't know what players want to be there, what players don't. <laughs> At this point, like... I don't think it's Manchester kinda, United knows what players <laughs> want to be there and what players don't. Seems like they're kind of having a hard time finding suitors for some of their players that don't want to be there. Um, you know, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if they'll they'll be able to climb back in based on what they've done. You know, I'm, I'm just hoping that Arsenal somehow finds a way to move a player or two and to bring in a player or two. That would be crucial to... Not only just allowing Arsenal, you know, more freedom in terms of team selection and, you know, freeing up some funds for, you know, building a more rounded squad, but, you know, just allowing Emery a little bit to put his stamp on this club. I mean, he, he took over this club, you know, early last summer. He essentially has not made a signing of his own yet that I feel is like a first choice quality player. You know all the all the previous dealings from last summer with Ganduzi, Torreira, um, all of those signings were all uh, kind of spearheaded by Mislintot, who's now gone. So I would just hope that he can get some freedom to put his stamp on this on this club, and you know to bring in a player that he wants. And you know it's it's kind of tough for me to hold him accountable without um, seeing him have the ability to, to put his stamp on the squad at this point. What about uh, any of the um, the next level, you know, guys? You, I mean, we talked, you mentioned, like, Leicester. Um, you know, Wolves had a an incredible season last year. Uh, West Ham is continuing to spend, and, and Everton is continuing to spend. So, like, do you see any of those teams, do you think any of those teams have enough to crack that top six? Yeah, I mean, I look at Wolves. That what they finished in like seventh last season. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah i I don't see them going anywhere. I would think that they're probably going to be right back up near near the big boys, you know, on the table. And you know, I I think Leicester could be right up there. Um, they've spent a little bit of money. They obviously have done it before, won the league. I mean. You know, I can see those two teams. Um, I, I'm not really completely sold on Everton. Uh, you know, if I had to pick two squad or two team, two clubs that I think could potentially crack that top six, or you know, maybe knock down one of the big boys a spot or two, would probably be either Wolves or Leicester going into next season. So, uh, last question here as we wrap up: Gun to your head. Leicester, I'm sorry, Liverpool or Man City? Who's winning the league? Uh, I think I think this feels like Liverpool's year to me. I just think that they're going to get it figured out. Um, they just won the Champions League. I, I just see that, uh, you know, just, I, I hate to say it because I, I like their drought. I like seeing a, a team like, Liverpool not winning the league I love consistently. I love to see Liverpool <laughs> not winning the league. I just I I'm trying to look at it objectively. I just I think that this feels like their season. You know I, I I'm sure they're going to be very motivated after winning the Champions League to you know to kind of look at the the Premier League now and think okay 
we've we've done the big the big one, but you know, let's go out and get the league type feeling. But um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at Liverpool, but again, I think this is just going to be a you know right down to the wire type season, at least on paper, um, unless a major injury happens or two. But um, yeah, I'm looking at Liverpool. Always exciting. We are we are closer every every second. Um, I know that all of us here at Rooster and Double are excited to uh, see how the season goes. So, Chad, thank you so much for being on with us and, and uh, filling us in on, on Arsenal and, and that perspective. And uh, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to say good luck to you because uh, it's Arsenal. But <laughs> uh, hopefully you enjoy the Premier League season. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jimmy. I'm glad uh, I got down and got to talk some Premier League here with you. And I look forward to the next season. Absolutely.